Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of Take Two. Joining me today is U.S. Senate candidate Ali Isom. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Before we get uh, deep diving into some of the topics of the day, for people who don't know a lot about you or what you were doing before you decided to run for Senate, uh, where did you get to this point? I know that you work for Governor Herbert at some point, but how long in coming has this possibility of running for Senate been for you in your mind? It hasn't been long before I filed. Uh, it really wasn't something on my mind, but I've worked in public policy, I've worked in the private sector, I worked for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I've always been one of those people behind the scenes helping solve problems and thorny issues, but it just came to a time when I felt like we need good people to get off the sidelines and we need a voice in Washington that's in tune with Utah. So you're getting into a race which a lot of people would say is slightly insane but we've got several good candidates in this race. Mm -hmm. uh, beating an incumbent is not an easy thing to do. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, Senator Romney, they're both polarizing figures. Uh, you're running to unseat a sitting senator which is not an easy task. Mm -hmm. Why did you feel like this is worth your time? Because a lot of people might say, hey, you're wasting your time. It's just not even something possible to do. You know, when I got into the race, I, I got in the race as a response to three women who called me January 4th, 5th, and 6th and said, I think you should challenge Mike Lee. I'm a spiritual person. By day three, I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I watched the Capitol under attack. And that day, a lot of people felt unseen and unheard across the political spectrum. I've heard it throughout the state, and I feel like we need a voice that understands Utah, that's more effective for the things Utah cares about. And it's not just about passing bills or voting on bills, it's also about carrying the water for the things that matter most to Utah. And when it comes to his pass rate, he's 15% as effective as Senator Hatch. And when it comes to carrying the water on Utah's issues, he's often telling local governments he won't help them. And I find that unacceptable. We deserve a voice that's effective. So how would you do things differently? A lot of times Republicans running against Republicans or Democrats against Democrats say they would do it very differently. Uh, you look at Senator Romney and Senator Lee, and I think people think of them as being vastly different on the spectrum as Republicans. But when you look at their voting records, they vote 85% of the time. Like just most Republicans, they vote on those same issues, mm -hmm. and then it's that small percentages where they differ. How would you be different than Senator Mike Lee votes. Yeah, when you when you mention their voting records, I think it's important people take a good hard look. If you follow Nate Silver and 538, he's an analyst. Mm -hmm. Their voting records are 2% different and Mitt Romney voted with Donald Trump more often than Mike Lee voted with Donald Trump. They're not that different. It yeah. is those outlier votes and that's probably where I differ with Mike the most. The Violence Against Women Act, the 9-11 First Responders Bill, the, uh, the reauthorization for uh, ALS funding, and, and then there's the Japanese internment memorial recently. Those outlier bills give Utah kind of a black eye and I think make us look a little weird and out of touch. Those are the places I differ most. How would you make it right uh, with the people of Utah? Because I think a lot of times uh, if you were to ask Senator Lee, he would say that those votes um, 
are because they're attached to a larger bill where there's a lot more money being spent or something else that isn't going along with it. And so he's trying to make sure that the spending, he says, you know, doesn't go up significantly, but it's attached to something that's important, it's emotional and people care about. So how do you fix that? Do you just keep letting uh, the numbers rise and rise with what we're spending or vote on that one issue that people care about and there's a lot of heart behind? You know, I think it, it sends the wrong message at the wrong time to be the one nay vote. If you want to make a difference on the budget, on the debt, then put mechanisms in place that reduce the debt and reduce spending overall. He ran on the promise of a balanced budget amendment, a term limit amendment. Those things haven't happened. So mechanisms need to be put in place that are durable. And you just, you find another opportunity to make the point about the budget. You don't send the message to first responders that we don't have your back. I think it's the wrong message at the wrong time. What mechanism in your mind would work where you could actually get Republicans and Democrats on the same side saying, okay, let's have a balanced budget and let's move forward? Because it seems like there's been a lot of talk about it for a long time. Senator Hatch tried to make it happen mm -hmm. and it hasn't happened. Because I feel like it's, it's too much at one time. We actually need a long-term spending plan. When you overspend on your household budget and you want to pay down credit cards, you pay them down incrementally and you just start paying on debt. It's an austerity program, essentially. We do it to third world countries when their debt exceeds their value. So it's time. We've, we've indulged ourselves. And you know, I say we've been spending like drunken Republicans for the last 10 to 20 years, and it's time to make the hard calls. So I'd like to see us reduce spending overall, 5% each year over time till we get back down to where we need to be. It's a long-term commitment. It's not gonna be a magic silver bullet or a switch we flip. It's a long-term conversation as well. Inflation, when I talk to people, seems to be one of the biggest things on their mind. We all feel it when you're going to the grocery yes. store or the mm -hmm. pump. So uh, much. Is that 5% incremental how you would solve the inflation problems, or is there a different way to go about that because it's more immediate? Well, I think we first stop printing money. We talk about monetary policy. The thing I fear most is when government starts messing with the dials, we tend to turn them too far, like the third round of stimulus money that went out. Didn't need to go. So I think it's a matter of responsibility over time. And I don't know that we solve inflation immediately or overnight, but we could do it by turning on some pumps, by opening some pipelines, and it's tied directly to our energy issues in this state. We have some of the cleanest burning natural gas, and we have permits that are in limbo, and we need to free those up and re-energize our industry there. As we're coming out of the pandemic, there's been a lot of talk about how to fix things and how, how to make it better for the American people. President Biden seems yeah. to have been dragging his heels on getting rid of a promise he made to get rid of a student debt. In your mind, is it wise and is it smart uh, for the United States government to pay off this debt? Some people say if you pay off this debt, it would stimulate the economy. All these um, former students would have money to spend. Others say, I work three jobs, I paid off my debts, or I chose not to go mm -hmm. to school. It's not fair at all. Where do you stand? I'm, I'm in that latter camp. I think if they've taken on a financial obligation, they have a responsibility to pay it back. And that same analysis about would help the economy, that's what we heard during the stimulus days. I don't, I don't buy it one bit. But where I would like to make an improvement is these students, I'm sensitive to the fact that they're starting out. I think student loan interest rates should be as low as possible. They should get the very best rate, that that the most wealthy or the biggest banks qualify for. And I recognize it's not a lot, it's something, but it lets us pay it forward for future students as well. I think the bigger question is, are they getting value for their investment? And it's a question around higher ed reform. It's not just, let's just give everybody free money. Yeah, and tuition is going up and up, and a lot of people believe that's because the government is in the business of these student loans. So it's yes. a domino effect in it, problem. Absolutely, it is. And it's cart and the horse kind of thing, too. So, no, I don't think you should give people free money, but I do think, because I, you know, I think there's responsibility that comes with taking on debt. You should have a way to mm -hmm. pay it off. 
that's that's how it works. Uh, right now, I'm thinking about the time between now and the primary uh, coming up for Republicans. Mm -hmm. I believe June 28th mm -hmm. here in Utah, yep. which isn't a lot of time. It's about two months away at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, you were calling on Becky Edwards, also in this race, to drop out. Why make that call? Because it's time. It's time. Um, you know the. This, this race is about unseating an incumbent, and she and I are going to split votes. Now, ideologically, I think she's in the wrong lane. The numbers just aren't there. We know who shows up in a midterm primary in an off year, and they're mainstream Utah conservative voters, and that's my message, is to the heart of the Republican Party, to come home to the party, to refocus on our core principles. And that message is going to resonate d deeply with those most likely to show up on June 28th or turn in their ballots after they mm -hmm. get them on June 7th when they are first mailed out. So I would argue I'm in the right lane and best positioned to beat Senator Lee. And, you know, if, if her yeah. end game, you know, what's her end game? That's my question. Uh, she said essentially the same thing, I think, back mm -hmm. to you that on mm -hmm. social media, a little bit of a chat going on. But if people don't follow the numbers, uh, when Republicans met and voted at the state convention, 70% of the delegates voted for Senator Mike Lee. Um, Edwards came with 11.77% and you were behind at 9.66%. So mm -hmm. she's probably looking at the numbers and saying, I'm a step ahead of her. So yeah. why um, not have her say the same thing? It's just, it's just barely. I mean, in my mind, that's practically the same performance at convention. I would argue that with mainstream Republican voters, I'm better positioned ideologically to attract their vote. And, you know, I saw, I went into convention as an underdog with very little name ID and very unknown. And we went to 29 county conventions and then spent time at the state convention. And we built momentum over time. So we've gone from being zero up to 10. And I find that to be inspiring and, and helps me feel like we've got momentum on our side and we're resonating with mainstream voters. I think a lot of people in the state of Utah are probably impressed that there are two women uh, running for yeah. this Senate seat, which I think is an exciting thing. Yeah. And I personally am impressed by the high bar that both Senator uh, Mike Lee and you, Becky Edwards, and Ali Isom all somehow got 28,000 signatures. That was a high bar. Uh, is that not reason for all three of you to fight it out till June 28th? Um, you know, it is a high bar, and I, I respect the fact that it, it required a lot of our volunteers and a lot of our supporters, and the reality is it's a big investment as well for us in our campaign. Um, yeah, I'm not self-funding any of this, yeah. so that was funded and, and carried out by grassroots supporters. Mm -hmm. I don't have a half a million dollars to kick into my race, and I don't think races should be about who has the most wealth or the most name ID. I think it should be who's most qualified to represent and serve the people of Utah. As you mentioned, you didn't go into this with a lot of name ID, and that makes a big difference mm -hmm. in elections. Mm -hmm. What should people know about you that uh, they don't know? You obviously have been working behind the scenes a lot of times, and there's a lot of unsung heroes in government that do a lot of that mm -hmm. hard work day in and day out, but they don't know who does it. Uh, what should people know about you? I have extensive experience in two state agencies working for, for government, and then I was Governor Herbert's Deputy Chief of Staff, Communications Director and Spokesperson. I did that for three years, then I went to work for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where I was the Director of Family and Community Relations, so my portfolio was thorny and tough and challenging issues, and then I was the Director of Institutional mm -hmm. Messaging and Identity, which is code for branding and participated in some global work there. So I have experience globally. And then I went to work in the private sector. And in the work in the private sector and my work in state agencies, I lived downstream 
from legislative and congressional decisions. So they're not theoretical to me. I know what it means to navigate the FDA and the EPA. I know how the regulation stifles investment and innovation. And I know how difficult it is to build communities when you have government over-regulating as well. So those things matter. I think I bring a wealth of experience and hit the ground running. I'm a mom, I'm a grandma of five, you know, my kids are raised and this is a good time in my life to serve, but I also have those little people in my head that they're my inspiration, they're my why, they're what inspires me. Utah should also know that I know Utah. I know Utah very well. I didn't think when I got into this race that I should have any illusions about understanding what mattered most. Mm -hmm. So I made a commitment to walk in every Utah community. When I began, it was 252 communities and then Erda Incorporated. So I've made a commitment to walk in all 253 mm -hmm. and I've been in 120 of them so far. Any so. surprises you've learned along the way when you're in some of these communities that you may not have gone to otherwise where you heard issues that maybe weren't on the forefront of your mind? Well, I not only know now to pronounce it as Paraguna, but I know very well that they don't have an affordable housing challenge down there like most of the Wasatch Back and Wasatch Front mm -hmm. have. I, I walked with mayors who talked to me about their plans for water, Some, and I talked to um, Hill Air Force Base um, advocates and families who are talking about the housing constraints there. We have families double bunked in communities around the base, which I find unacceptable, but incredibly challenging for them. Um, for me now, Utah's issues have a face. Val and Laverkin has buried two boys who died by suicide due to drug overdoses. And Jaker's mom in Enterprise who has to raise the price of her alfalfa because of the price of diesel. And she wants the same quality of life for her little six-year-old. Um, and you know, I met people in northern Utah who are dealing with drought and the, the Westons, you know, they, they deal with um, large cattle operations and we talked about drought relief for American farmers. So for me now, Utah's issues have a face and I clearly know what's in the heart and minds of Utah. And you know, Mike Lee might out fundraise me, but he won't out Utah me. Utah certainly has uh, diverse issues and problems. You mentioned housing, where it seems like a lot of young kids who are graduating college or getting married feel like they're never going to be able to get into homes. Right. At the same time, uh, we have immigrants coming to our state. Uh, recently, we're talking about uh, bringing in some of the Afghani families after our exit from Afghanistan and now Ukraine. Uh, I understand that you have a Ukrainian family living with you. Tell me a little bit about how that happened. Well, our son served a mission for our faith in Ukraine a few years ago. and. We visited so many humble, good people and said, if you're ever in America, come visit us. And on, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, my husband and son went to California to pick up a family that had found their way to California from Ukraine. They'd seen Putin's military build up. They have three little kids and they worried for the future for those little ones. So they're at our home. We said, we have plenty of space. It's ridiculous yeah. that you're paying $3,000 a month in rent when their life savings is so constrained as it is. And we said, you know, we're empty nesters. We have extra bathrooms and bedrooms and blankets and pillows. You know, I, I'm running a Senate campaign. So I kind of said, well, there's the couch and the chairs and the yeah. fridge and I'll try to keep the fridge full and here's how the stove works. And they're in our home. So they're like family. Every day they're checking in with their own family to make sure they're still alive. And it makes me grateful for my own freedoms and opportunities here. And their children are young, right? They're very young. They're very young. They're, they have a toddler, an elementary school age, and a junior high. So two, seven, and 12. And this is a big adjustment. You know, their, their hometown was set aflame and, and demolished and bombed out. And, you know, my heart just yeah. aches 
for them. So they have, where, where are they from? Uh, they're from Zhitomyr in, in Ukraine. And there's not much left there? No, I mean, the, we, the imagery of their city on fire and uh, the maternity hospital where two of their children were born was ransacked and, and you know, destroyed. And I, there's nothing to go home to for them. And is there hope to go back eventually or are they going to make Utah their home? You know, I don't know yet. I think it's probably early. I think they're hoping to stay here and provide their children with opportunities mm -hmm. they won't have. U Ukraine will be decades rebuilding. It will be decades for them. And you're hoping that Utah gets more families like this or hard to say at oh this point? Oh my gosh, they're, they're amazing people. I do mm -hmm. hope they come because they have a can-do spirit and appreciation for our freedoms and the, and the education system and the things we have here in terms of opportunity to thrive. So I hope, I hope they stay and I hope others like them come. They're so eager to work. I'm, you know, we have college degrees and speak English and it's yeah. interesting to help them try to navigate the immigration system as they file for asylum. You know, it's- It's difficult work. Yes, there's no case number to track what's happening to them. So we've been doing our best, but some good people in the community have stepped up to help us. You know, they've got some legal support now and um, we're just finding our way forward one day at a time. But it's like having, there's light in the house again with these little ones, um, but they're like family to us. It doesn't feel um, awkward or burdensome in any way. It's just beauty and light and inspiring. And it grounds me every day to know why am I doing this? Sounds like yeah. an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So for people uh, in the next couple of weeks who are doing their homework before those ballots arrive, where can they find more information if they're interested? Um, my website is Ally4Utah, so it's A-L-L-Y, like Ally4Utah.com. And there they can find more information about us. We'd love to volunteer. And if you can't water your lawn this year, you want a splash of red, an Ally Isom sign looks pretty great too. Fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you so much uh, for joining us this week. We will continue talking to candidates on the Stake 2 podcast. Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon.